previously on the Project Umbrella podcast. Hello and welcome to the first Project Umbrella podcast. I'm on this site, right, but I don't know anything about the series. Capcom love their mysterious men. They sunk an entire cruise ship to come up the game. It's a Capcom viral marketing <laughs> All this crap about it being canon and fitting the story of Biohazard 2 and 3 is just total bollocks. And the uh, the symbol, I will say, does look a bit like Cyril Snare from their raccoons. I could just sort of picture Barry going, oh, let's, I, hope, I, I hope this isn't Chris's symbol. <laughs> Welcome to episode one of the Project Umbrella podcast, where our determination to translate text is more relentless than the nemesis and our life's work more than matches William Birkin's G-Virus discovery. I'm Nick, better known as Neptune. Joining us today is George Trevor. Good evening. Good to be back. The Batman. Hello. Mr. Spencer. All right. And joining us as well today is Newsbox. Hello. Feedback has generally been we should refer to each other through our usernames as opposed to our actual names because otherwise it's John John Paul Paul and I think that'd be too confusing for everyone. I would agree with that. I've got quite a few controversial things I'd like to say actually, some Resident Evil sites that I would like to slag off and some users that have been upsetting me. My name's Newspot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, that, that, that's my contribution for tonight. Coming up in today's show, we'll be looking at all the latest news. If you were the downloader of the first podcast, you'll know that we missed the big news by a mere 24 hours, which was a bit of a pain up the arse, but we'll be discussing that. Uh, We'll also be discussing any site news and anything that's been happening on uh, Project Umbrella. Apologies for anyone who was looking out for an in-depth discussion of Resident Evil Revelations. Due to the fact that not everyone on the podcast has the game yet, we've decided to delay that until probably the next podcast in March. So instead, we're going to be looking at the original and arguably greatest game, Biohazard 1, on the PlayStation 1 slash Sega Saturn slash PC. This will then be followed up by a look at the Biohazard 6 trailer, which I said we did miss by 24 hours. But never mind, you can have a long discussion of that. And then to end, of course, there'll be uh, Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard quiz, which is always a good laugh. That will be the plan for um, this podcast, and we'll move straight on to the news section, starting with a quick discussion on Revelations. We all know it has recently come out. I thought we weren't discussing Revelation. We're not. This is just news chat, Spencer. We're just saying it's come out. The review scores have come in. They've been generally quite good. We're allowed to talk about it, but not in great depth. Yeah, we're not going to be discussing theories. We'll say what everyone generally thought of it from what we've seen so far, if you haven't played it. Hopefully we'll get the Revelations guidebook or strategy oh. guide coming out soon. Yes. Which, uh, with any luck, will provide a boatload of information and revelations. Has anyone walked through, is it Otaku? I was about to order my 
uh, navigation book on Monday, but I've not bought through them before. Uh, yes, I've I've ordered the navigation and art book through uh, Otaku. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they they get the thumbs up. I'll I'll go for that as well. Yeah, and it's, it's free shipping as well, so you can't go. Yeah, I've noticed that. that. Yeah. Good. Okay. Hey, what is this place anyway? It sounds quite intriguing. Free shipping. What is this? stuff you are about i think that it's japanese on it john yeah uh, it's an american company i think but the stock like loads of japanese anime books and guide books and art books oh that's quite good that's that's quite intriguing i don't know i think about that one there is a uk one as well otaku.co.uk but it doesn't have as much stuff obviously i'll have a look for that later i would say generally the um in terms of how revelations has gone down in most of the community not just ours obviously on the horrors live as well i think it's it's gone down particularly well most people have enjoyed especially the storyline and its ups and downs and the complexities. And the only negatives perhaps being it's still a bit action-orientated. I'm not going to get too pissed about some action. You know, I'm happy with a little smattering of it. But anyway, again, I'm thinking about Operation Raccoon City and I'm starting to feel ill. (laughs) Calm yourself, George. (laughs) I was upset by what you said, Nick. The multiple hunters charging at you in this game doesn't sound particularly promising. It only happens once, I'm sure. I'm only watching it on YouTube. I'm only up to uh, episode but eight. The episodic structure works quite well, I feel. The sections with Jill are obviously focus on the survival horror aspect more, and the sections where you play as Chris and Quint and Keith and Parker, they're the more action-orientated episodes, but you are playing as Jill for a good 80% of the game. Yeah, just as from my own clarification point of view, the hunters that are in the Terra Grigia panic, are they standard one-to-ones? Yes. Or are they... Or are they Farafella? No, the Farafella ones are only seen in the uh, Veltro base in the mountains, Falcoin and Mocky Airport. Uh, well, I, I thought that the Terragrigia paddock was caused by the Tea Abyss, so uh, how are the normal hunters there? Because the hunters were sent in separately, and then the virus was launched. It's explained in one of the uh, files. Uh, but do you encounter any ooze in the Terragrigia segment? Because in do, theory it, you would. Yeah, in theory you would, but it doesn't really show any humans. All it shows is the uh, the hunters obviously running amok on the streets yep. and people panicking, and then you see the UAV fly past dispersing the virus in the air, and that's all you basically see until the last moments when you've got to fight your way up to the top of Terragrigia Tower and get on the helicopter. And in that level, you're just attacked by hunters because everyone else has either well, been, been killed or evacuated. If I could point something out here, didn't Lansdale say something on the lines of, you know, they've been doing it for three weeks? Yeah, the Terragrigia like, panic lasted for about three weeks, yeah. So why are there, are there any ooze? Yeah, yeah, there probably will be, they just don't show any. Obviously the FBC are holed up in this tower. The only time you play the game in the Terragrigia Panic is like the last hour of it before the satellite blows the city up. And uh, you just see hunters laying siege to the building. You can see them climbing up the walls outside and things, and you've got to fight your way upstairs. So there probably is ooze, you just don't see them. As I said earlier, we had the Resident Evil 6 slash Biohazard 6 trailer, which came out quite quickly after the first podcast, which dated it significantly, but never mind. I think, obviously, we're going to have a long discussion about this a bit later on, but generally, I think everyone was blown away in one way or the other. My words exactly, I was just about to say that, blown away by the level of detail, the reveal that we were shown, the returning characters... The hopeful suggestion that we have Alex Wesker. Yep. The three different types of gameplay. I mean, most of what John said on the previous podcast seems to 
have brought fruition except for Ada, unless obviously that's something that may come up later. Where there's Leon, there's Ada, perhaps. So, um... Well, I may be in the minority here when I say this, but uh, and feel free to lynch me afterwards. <laughs> but uh, I personally... I'm surprised you went uh, from last week with your discovery of the human tragedy that Capcom used to promote revelations. Oh, that wasn't a tragedy. That wasn't a tragedy. That was a marketing stunt. Well, I've been looking in the news for any further tragedies. I don't know any sort of volcanoes or earthquakes. You know. Well, I've been on the BBC News website, right? And we talked about that ship that capsized, right? But guess what they found? They found this huge crustacean, this mm. previously undiscovered crustacean, right? About seven kilometres deep under the uh, uh, ocean somewhere. And they found it in the Kermadec Trench. The same place that they found the uh, T-Abyss fish thing. Wow. It was an uber prawn, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a bloody big bastard. Oh, and I'm telling you, that's another marketing stunt. If you, you, know, you think the cruise ship <laughs> was one sense. thing, they're doing it again. Thanks, John. We'll come back to that, and then I'm afraid I'm going to have to then lower the tone significantly. The Resident Evil Retribution trailer that came out recently. Oh, um, Jesus. Oh, I, I didn't even know what you were talking about for a moment. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What is this Retribution? You, you, what are you talking about? This isn't Resident Evil, is it? This is something else, isn't it? Well, if you don't know about it, don't go and watch it. It'll only upset you further. What does Mila see in him? <laughs> what? They're married, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's been fucking him for years. He's been fucking Resident Evil for years. Hey! Boom, boom. There you go. <laughs> I'm here all night. I, I do have a soft spot for the films, I always will, just because I like to see my franchise, so to speak, on the big screen. I like to sit in the but cinema. But it's not your franchise. You know, I use, it's you know, it's Paul franchise. I like to sit in the cinema feeling smug, going, I know about it more than my person sitting next to But the films have um, nothing to do in common with the games, apart from a few characters that are from the games that happen to be in this um, scenario. You, you won't, but back in the day... I worked for hours trying to link the first film in before they announced like, the sequel and stuff like that. I was convinced it could be linked in. Why are you hosting this podcast? Why are you on this podcast? Sorry. <laughs> right, right, you're on a podcast, right? John, you're taking over as the new host. Has everyone seen this teaser? Is that actually Patrick Stewart narrating that false Sony yes. advert at the start? Yeah. So Captain Picard has actually lowered himself that badly. You know, I had a nightmare the other night. I woke up and I dreamt that Patrick Stewart had died. I woke up devastated. I was so upset. Horrible dream that was. Uh, second only to Captain Kirk. Oh, <laughs> no. Picard is better than Kirk. No, but that's a whole other discussion, isn't it? That's a whole other discussion. Is that Alice actually stood on the roof of the White House there, saying, I am Alice for about the 15th millionth time? <laughs> I think it's just in case you've only ever seen the first film where her name is never revealed in the first film. You don't know who she and is. Also, I read somewhere that the lady, is it Michelle Rodriguez, who dies in the first film, she somehow appears again? And Colin Salmon's back. As one. Yeah, but she and uh, Oded uh, Fair as well, yeah. Oded oh. Fair, he's upside down. He is seriously. Look at his face. He's got his ears are upside down. <laughs> Anyone listening now? Right, search for. Oh, I put a picture up on Biohaze. Right, I haven't seen it. Search for Oded Fair on Google Images and look at his ears. They're upside down. <laughs> You could do it now if you want. I would say I, I'm well, reading I, it. I have to say my illness has coincided with me sitting through a whole heap of Operation Raccoon City gameplay trailers today. 
Yeah. Oh. There's a, another I one I saw today was just so upsetting with, well, we've got loads of contradictions. I know we're digressing a bit, but we've got Nikolai blowing up the hospital. Yeah. We've got Mr. X or T-103 being given the nemesis parasite or some kind of booster and then implicitly being turned into the nemesis. That I saw, that's what I saw today. That's oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of the umbrella operatives that injects him with the parasites. You can unlock a mode or something where four eyes can turn zombies into creatures. Yeah, Heads. and heads that she can then control. Oh, so upsetting. Do you know what they've it's... done, Capcom? They have this trophy wife of theirs that they, Resident Evil, they call her. They <laughs> take her out, and in the past, you know, they treated her really, really well. And then with Operation Raccoon City, this is how I see it. They dragged her down the street. They um, stuck a sign in her hand that said, we'll turn tricks for 50p. Slant 6 happened to be walking by, and they prostituted her to Slant 6. You know, this reminded me of, you know, you get with an appalling sequel. You have Greece, for example. I loved Greece. <laughs> too, oh, well, well, let's I'm very heterosexual. Yeah. I'm very heterosexual. Say, really? I think so. George, rewind. Just say, I love Jaws. Just <laughs> okay. say that, and then, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. and then say, I didn't I like Jaws, Jaws too. But you look at Jaws 2. Apart from the name Jaws, it bears no resemblance at all to the original. I was initially, as I said on the last cast very excited like you mentioned with the films you like to see the resident evil scenarios up on the big screen i was yeah. really happy to see the resident evil 2 resident evil 3 scenarios realized like that on this generation console was very happy to see nikolai back and then i watched the gameplay trailers you know what can i say i, I said it all last week it's, it's call of duty i mean fuck off this is survival horror you've got those games we have resident evil leave it as it was it shows a lack of imagination on capcom's part because they can continue to progress the series they can bring out diverse games but still as you said nick last week with the lost in nightmares they can still keep the survival horror they can i don't know uh, how yeah, i follow up to that that's just crazy well as, as i said they can make the enemies tougher or you know give you less ammo anything think, like that there's no reason why they can't do it i think capcom themselves or someone from cap i don't know his exact name but he said that their goal was try and cater to the call of duty audience now if you think about Call of Duty, it's like a fucking drug to these people. It's the only thing they play, and they're not going to play this third-person shooter that has zombies in it. You know, if they want to do that, they'll play Left 4 Dead, which is a superior game. Yeah, They're in fucking dream world, as far as I'm concerned, and I hope the game flops. I don't want to be too snotty about this not liking that style of play, and I'm happy to have an expanded universe game that caters for that gameplay. But to have a main game in this 15th anniversary year... To stick a game like Revelations on a handheld and then to have Operation Raccoon City, which is effectively just mercenaries on the yep. consoles, I, I think it's the wrong way around. When I posted on the Project Umbrella, I said, you know, when I felt Operation Raccoon City, you know, I don't feel anger towards it. I just feel like a sense of pity. I sense pity for what it could have been. Yes, what it could have been. Because the potential for greatness was right there. You had Raccoon City, you had USS involved, you had a different perspective. Yeah. You know, all this potential, and they pissed it away. That's what's irritated me the most, because they've made such basic mistakes as well, which has ruined it in terms of timelines. It just cannot fit. I've already more or less proved that on the forums. Some yeah. people still won't have it. There must obviously be a stage where members of Capcom give employees of Slant 6 basic information on the previous games and how they wish to see that information realised in Operation Raccoon City. Now, what, who is giving them the, that information? Or did Slant 6 get told from the start, play the game and then do what you like? I think Slant 6 made up their own story and then it was sent to Capcom Japan 
for approval. That's the official line. But whether yeah, I caution, I caution arrogance on that one. Yeah, well, obviously, because it doesn't fit. When I say play the game, I'm referring to the original Resident Evil 2. So, yeah, I, I mean, where is the line of communication and what information are they being given? But there's just basic mistakes, like even in the inserted evil things with Chief Irons' secretary. How she's saying, oh, yeah, I worked for Chief Irons for about 10 years now. But you read the file in Resident Evil 2 and it's like, oh, I've only had this job a few weeks. I don't want to lose it. You know, it's really basic mistakes like that. There's no excuse because, you know, Capcom expanded upon Raccoon City before, right? Like they did uh, Umbrella Chronicles. But Umbrella Chronicles actually fits. It contradict anything. You know, the, the character of Sergei, you could kind of think, oh, okay, it's a bit weird for this former Soviet colonel wandering around the Arclay grounds, you know, back in 1998 or whatever like that. But it doesn't really contradict anything because he doesn't interact with other characters or, you know, it, 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 it fits. Yeah. Whereas Operation Raccoon City just does not fit. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, Sergei Vladimir felt, he did feel kind of shoehorned into the series. Yeah. But like you said, it still fits at the end of the day. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't retcon anything. Even with, I think when Umbrella Chronicles came out, you had the American one and the dates didn't work or something like that about when Sergei took over with command of the ops or something like that. I think the Japanese was all right, but the American one didn't. Now, only the fans on our kind of sites actually knew this. And yet, when it came to the European release, they bothered to actually change one tiny date on a file, which, you know, it didn't matter, because obviously we're going to look at the text anyway. I thought that shows that there is some level of commitment. Yeah, well, a lot's been made about how the term TO2 has been used to describe the nemesis, which apparently has come from this bootleg Chinese guidebook and the Resident Evil wiki. And uh, I think Prime Blue and Newsbot have already confirmed that T or 2 doesn't appear in the Japanese script in any shape or form. Oh, really? You know what that means, don't you? I mean, I find it highly unlikely that Slant 6, you know, tracked down this obscure Chinese bootleg guidebook to get this information from. Exactly. It's more likely that they just went to Resident Evil Wikia, which could be edited by anyone, and just thought, you know, that'll do. We'll put that in. What makes Operation Raccoon City even worse is you just think, oh, well, you can dismiss the story and have the nostalgic factor and go around classic locations, but they've even yeah. changed the layout of every bloody building. Oh, my building. Lord. So, and again, this is what confuses me. If you're going to change the layout, I mean, why use those original... I mean, why use the original environments and then change them around? It just makes no sense at all. It's just a selling point, isn't it, to get people to go and buy it? It's like, oh, play through classic locations in Raccoon City. I mean, you can understand certain things being changed for gameplay reasons or whatever, or to match the scenario, but it doesn't even resemble, you know, like... It was the hype, let's be honest. It was yeah. the hype with some sofas and some plasma t- TVs. Yeah, it's... They've even just, like, copied Birkin's lines from Biohazard 2, word for word, where it's like, my precious G-Virus. They've, they've taken all of that. It's ridiculous. Right, moving on. Do we have any site news to tell our listeners? I've got a translation of Jessica's report, which came with the Biohazard Revelations DVD exclusive to Japan. That should be up in about a week. Excellent. And I see we have got the files have been put up, albeit I think they are the English ones. I think Newsbot put that up, and we're just waiting for some translations of that. But if you want to get a general idea of the uh, storyline and the intricacies of revelations, then you can look on on the site. And we are also accepting site donations. 
We've also, just to point out, very important here, Newspot has secured an interview with Kamamura. Can't remember his first name. Probably can't pronounce it either, so I'm not going to bother. Well, this guy was the uh, scenario writer for Biohazard 3. And also, I think, did he do some work on the earlier versions of Resident Evil 4? I believe so, yes. He also worked on Clock Tower 3 and was given special thanks for his part in Degeneration. That's good, so we've got exciting things to look forward to there. I think it's a thread where some where people can post their questions for him. Yeah, but I think Newsbot has more or less uh, assembled the uh, questions for now, so he's just <laughs> going to translate them. Have you been injured at work in an accident that isn't your fault? Then you could be entitled to compensation. We at Spencer & Co. specialise in personal injury claims. Just listen to this testimonial from Mr. X in Raccoon City. I worked for a pharmaceutical enterprise when I slipped on the floor. I fell headfirst into a drugs cabinet storing virus samples. There were no warning signs. I received $10,000 in compensation thanks to Spencer & Co. And I don't even need to go to court. The company even paid for all my medical bills, including nasty blood tests. Afterwards, I was told that I was eligible for a product development promotion, and I'd been relocated to a tropical paradise island in the South Atlantic. Thank you, Spencer & Co. Call now on 0800 Biohazard, and we'll put you through to a specialist lawyer. Spencer & Co. Where there's blame... There's a claim. Spencer & Co. is a wholly owned entity of the Umbrella Corporation. Right, our main discussion for the podcast, Biohazard 1, the original. There are only three STARS members left now. Captain Wesker, Jill, and myself. We don't know where Barry is. Chris Redfield. Right, we begin with this one. It's a classic game, 1996, I believe. Yep. We've all played it, we've all enjoyed it. It's where our fascination with this series began for many of us. Unless you're some little kid played Ori 4, and somehow that makes you a Biohazard fan, because it doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. Does, you know, so quit it's, dreaming. It's, you sound like a bitter old man there. <laughs> I am. I, am yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, it's probably our age as well, but Biohazard 1 genuinely scared the shit out of me at points. And when I got to the guardhouse and I was confronted with Neptune and Plant 42 and the music and the fact that I was running out of ammo. I remember uh, my girlfriend actually laughing at me with pity when I literally jumped out my skin when those Cerberus just burst. Of course. I mean, yeah, actually jumped out my skin. Um, Yeah. Brilliant, fantastic. Just early, brilliant gaming memories. Can I say something here that might come across as a bit controversial? I think that Capcom as a whole need to move the fuck on from the classic days. 
I think everyone needs to move the fuck on and evolve and change and adapt. Because when you think about it, everyone's always like, oh, yeah, the service for the window. Or, yeah, those classic moments. Yeah, they were in the past now. That was over a decade ago. Move with the fucking times, you know? I mean, in, in some respect, I think that might be the problem, though. They, they've kind of they've moved, certainly with Resident Evil 5 and Operation Raccoon City, they've moved too far away from that original survival horror, no? Well, Remake was great. But, you know, it's still different enough. It's, the thing about Remake was that it kept what made the classic game good, but it evolved to yeah. fit yeah, it, the, it turned the everything. hardware time. You, know, you it had turned new what we knew on its head, you know, it introduced, if you could have played Biohazard 1 100 billion times, and yet when you're walking past on a new corridor and you see that zombie on the floor, you think, oh, is he going to get up? No, he doesn't. But then you come back there hours later, and up he comes, you go, okay, it's a zombie. Oh, no, wait, it's not. Yeah. He's running at me at 100 miles an hour. What the hell is he doing? And you'll be like, this is how to evolve it subtly. But it added a whole new dimension to remake. And, you know, it's added to the original storyline and added to the original feel. And it, it was just brilliant. And I wouldn't have called it remake. I would have called it Resident Evil Survival Horror Evolved. <laughs> Anniversary. It was brilliant. But if we, if we think back to... The original, what made it great? I mean, for me, it was the atmosphere and the music, and it's quite bright, the game. Yeah, I noticed that this evening, playing it right from the start. It's an interesting game, because from the very first movie, you know, in live action that we see, it's a very odd mixture, isn't it, of live action, and then you have the picture of the mansion, which isn't a real picture of a mansion, it's some sort of artwork. Yeah. And it doesn't certainly suggest from the beginning that this is a survival horror game. It's quite sort of militaristic. You have Alpha Team and Bravo Team. Interesting reference to the fact that initially stars thought that this was a sort of a gang of, of murderers, of terrorists, and they were yeah. led to what they describe as their, their hideout, the gang's hideout. You know um, what I liked about the classic Resident Evil is the fact that it reminded me of how movies and films used to be made, how you didn't have special effects like CGI. You had things like, you know, matte paintings for backgrounds or yeah. you had uh, <laughs> stop motion. Yeah, honestly, Matt, uh, look at Blade Runner, for example. There's no CGI in that film. They have like most of all the backgrounds are, are matte paintings. You know, they're drawn, they're artwork. Yeah. And it looks so damn good that the pre-rendered backgrounds in, in Resident Evil, you know, look so damn good. That they hold up even today. They do. I mean, it certainly it needed it needed the remake, but I people want the remake of RE2. Just digressing slightly, I don't think it does. I st- I still think because of the quality of the pre-rendered backgrounds, you don't need the remake. Firehazard One, yeah, you know, it was, it was getting on a bit, but I don't think Two and Three need a remake. They're brilliant as they are. I think should uh, bring back pre-rendered backgrounds. Because you could put so much detail. Well, the last one you got was Zero, wasn't it? And some of the scenes in Zero were pre-rendered and, you know, like the Ecliptic Express looks stunning. I personally don't think we're ever going to see the pre-rendered backgrounds again. I I absolutely adored them. Unfortunately, they're just presumably they're seen as um, a backward step. Well, point to click adventures of making a return. Forgotten genre back in the 90s. People forgot about it, moved on. Yeah, I mean, people thought that, you know, shooting terrorists in first person it was a fun thing to do. But, uh, you know, like Monkey Island, for example, was making a comeback. You know, they did like uh, remakes of those and they're very popular and, you know, good games. Don't hold your breath. We may see them again. And something else that stood out for me, I mean, Capcom, we've slagged them off a bit. They must, I mean, they really did take a gamble with the gameplay, the slow slumbering zombies with pretty poor AI. <laughs> the, you know, they, I mean, there must have been a concern that 
this game really would just be laughed at. I think it really does play on, on um, you know, can go one or by the way, if you don't get the atmosphere, you know, if you don't get the survival horror, if you don't enjoy the puzzles, then suddenly aspects of the game start to look rather ridiculous. I just thought the storyline was fantastic at the time. When I first got the game, I had heard about it from a friend and the impression he gave me was you sort of played as Chris and Jill, who were basically Mulder and Scully. And you were <laughs> and you were investigating like strange goings on at a mansion. You know, for the first half an hour or so, you think, oh, it's some sort of paranormal element to this. And then you start reading diary entries of all these researchers who were have caught some virus and are degenerating into zombies. And then you know, basically, this whole conspiracy unwinds. It turns out your team's been lured there as a test. There's a traitor well, not, on your team. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it's really good. This is a question I had for you guys, not having played particularly many PlayStation One games at that time, how unique Resident Evil was in having those diary entries. Because as John says, that's exactly what got me the history. Obviously I started to wonder with remake, going back to remake the the, the story of the Trevors, but with, with the original, you know, you read these desperate letters from desperate people that are on you know on the brink of suicide knowing that they're about to, you know, succumb to this virus. And it was just fascinating. And I wonder, was this particularly unique for Resident Evil? I don't know. I mean, you built the fucking mansion, you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it was, actually, yeah. Yeah. Certainly the first I time I came across it. And obviously a lot of games since have followed oh. suit. Well, you had, at the time, you had Tomb Raider 1. And I'm not quite sure, you know, in terms of similarly type game, I'm not quite sure how much detail the storyline had from the original with kind of diary entries and things like that. But it was, I'm sure it was quite revolutionary in that sense and you did get drawn in i think especially if you're japanese as well you would have had the true story behind biohazard albeit not you know not canon anymore mm. but you know then of course you had george's diary as well so there's a lot more backstory to it i mean going off what john said before i mean that's what appealed to me about the original resident evil is the fact that it wasn't so much the gameplay or anything like that it was the fact that there was mystery yes. you know it's like you were there you weren't going in to just shoot terrorists or shoot bad guys and run around and whatnot. You went in there to investigate, to find clues, like, you know, in Heavy Rain or something. Yep. You look for clues, like a detective. It was like a detective story to me yeah. in Resident Evil, weirdly enough. Does that sound, weird as that sounds, it felt like a detective story because you were gathering clues... You were trying to piece together this mystery. And there was always that intrigue with the doors that were locked. It was a very clever use to make a game perhaps look more open world than it actually was. Yeah. All these areas of the mansion that, that you wanted to access that you couldn't. Um, it, you know, you wanted to go further and further. And with each new reveal, you wanted to know more. And that was fantastic. What was great was just like, you got say you got like the shield key or you're like, oh, I can finally go to this room and you're like, you'll approach it. And then you didn't know what was behind it. And I don't know about you, but every time I opened your door, my finger was on R1. Yeah. And ready. And that's what's now missing. You were scared because you had to look in your inventory. You probably only yes. had five bullets. There could have been anything behind it. As I said, this, this yeah. happened with me with Plant 42. I was like, holy mother of pearl, it's a plant. And I've got my handgun. You know? Just this week, it even got me. I mean, I've not played the original for a few years. I played the original standard game as Jill, and then I played the director's cut as Chris, and I completely forgot about the bit where you're in one of the back rooms of the library, and you know you can look out of the window and see the heliport, oh, yeah. and she says, oh, oh I think yes. you can contact the other stars members from there. But on the director's cut, you get three crows to suddenly smash through the window. I totally forgot about that, and uh, it's scared. Oh, yeah. It made me jump, and that was just, that was just two days ago. <laughs> Have you ever jumped in Resident Evil 4 or 5? I don't think so. And the only bit in 4 was obviously what the Ganado was in the um, oven. 
Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The flaming, the guy on fire. Yes, I agree. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yes. But in Resident Evil Four, it wasn't so much jump out scares, but it just kind of made you think. I've got a bad feeling about this. This is so creepy. As opposed to, oh God, what's that? You know what I mean? Definitely. I think that actually, that I was unfavorable for you. Right? There, there was a lot of creepiness, and I mean, they'd certainly enhanced that with the the environments and and the music. Yeah. Yeah. And what was good about the original was the build up. You started off with basic things like zombies, and by the time you worked out that oh, that they're quite easy to kill, there'll be like three zombies. You're like, oh bugger. And then you feel that satisfaction of perhaps getting a headshot, especially in the director's cut, you could get that headshot on a zombie. Then you have the Cerberus. And you're like, oh crap, they're running around. And then just when you think you're on top of everything, they go and chuck in hunters. Yeah. And you're like, what? And then they just gradually built up, built up, built up. And your weapons improve, but it didn't, you know, it didn't deter from the fact that there was, it, it, it was still challenging and it was still petrifying. And the hunters were scary. I was taken aback this evening playing it, surprised just how sinister and how scary those hunters were back then. Certainly far scarier than the ones in the aforementioned game, which I'm not going to mention again. Speaking of Hunters, though, does anyone else find it amusing how the little cutscene... He, he opens the, he pulls he's the so, door handle He's so open. gentle when he does that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a civilised creature. He's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I'm going to open the door. There we go. Wipes his feet on the doormat as he comes in. I do love that clicking sound they make when they're walking oh. on the floor. And, that, and you'd, you'd hear it, and that, that was always good, because you'd, you'd enter a room, and of course, because it was pre-rendered, you couldn't see sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you'd hear like a, either a clicking of, of the dogs, or the, no, uh, Chris, or the hunters, and I would literally turn around and go, right, okay, I need to plan this. Yeah. And that was, that's what made it so good, and I haven't had that since perhaps Resident Evil 3, when you go to a new room, and, and then the, the save music starts. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank Christ for that. Yeah. And oh, you just don't get that anymore, and I, I, I long for that return. Um, safe, safe havens should feel like safe havens, oh. if that makes sense. I mean, how, I mean, I can actually feel now, in, in really, honestly, in the, in the pit of my gut, that feeling of relief when I've literally just got through that door. There's a hunter on the other side. I've got fuck all ammo. Yep. I don't know where I'm going, and I know that when I have to, and I know that I'm gonna have to leave that room at some point. And when I open that door, I'm gonna have to be ready, and I have to compose myself. I open that door. I mean, it's really, really concerning, and it's and, and it's fraught, and it's brilliant. Yeah. I'd just say, I mean, I, I mentioned this before, but you know, speaking about remake here, when you had the crimson heads, I mentioned this in the last podcast, I think, where you had the map of the mansion and all that stuff, and I had to sort of mark off, like, say, what well, there's one corridor where I knew for a fact there were like two crimson heads in there. <laughs> You know, I was like, okay, I can't go through that corridor. So I had to plan a fucking yep. diversionary route yeah, around to where I need to go. I was like, right, I can go through this way and that way. And that, was, that's, that area's clear. That corridor's safe. So I can go through that way, but I cannot go through that door. And it was like, there was a time when I was like, I have to go through that fucking corridor. And I was like, oh God, this is it. There's no way around it. There's no diversion. I have got to go through this fucking door. And I'm like, okay. You know, squeeze my hand tight on the trigger. I went round, opened the door, took yeah. a breath. And he ripped your head off. No, I killed him. You <laughs> <laughs> killed him. Yeah. You just don't get moments like that anymore. I mean, even Revelations, there was there was only one moment, really, that felt like that. And it's not really a spoiler, but obviously you'll have seen the demo where Jill wakes up on the bed. Yeah. Following a particular plot device, she's been relieved of her weapons. And uh, a news bursts out of the wardrobe and got no weapons. And it won't let you unlock the door until you've dealt with it. So you don't know what to do. So you end up retreating to the bathroom and hiding in the bathroom, like scanning the toilet for grenades, thinking, how the fuck do you get past this ooze without any guns? Dodge technique, isn't it? And you chuck yeah. It in the but 
but that's the only time in the entire game where you sort of get that sense of dread where you, you know you feel safe in the bathroom thinking right what we're going to do whereas in the original Resident Evil that happens sort of every 10 minutes yeah. well how do you deal with the use anyway at the end you have to dodge it and it sort of lunges at you and you move out the way at the last second and it ends up putting its head through a TV electrocute it's only temporary though is it yeah. well they'll put anything on TV these days hey. <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone ever, has anyone had the fortune to play the Sega Saturn version? I've got a copy. I think I was talking to John about this, the differences. I knew about some of them, the Wesker Zombie. I didn't know about the second Tyrant, though, which was interesting. Oh, the gold, golden one. The gold-plated Tyrant. <laughs> Only 25,000 were ever produced. Tyrant, a blinged-up Tyrant. He wants to look fashionable. And there was also the new enemy, wasn't there? The uh, Tick. Tick. Which, at the moment, is in kind of grey canon status. Yeah, I know Newsbot is quite an advocate of keeping it in the canon. It has its own article on the website. I, lo- I just, can I just say, I just love how we're dictating terms now of what is canon and what isn't. It's like we're the fucking judges. We decide. God damn it! Yeah, too right. Who else? This is where bloody slant six should have come. Why go to Wikistar page when they could come to a Wikistar page that's edited by people that have access to better translation? So you'd rather have Slat 6 go into people who say things like, yes, I, I think that these tick enemies who are in a Sega Saturn game should be in it, rather than people who are like, oh, well, I think the girl in Resident Evil 6 is Ashley Graham, obviously, you know. I think where we go wrong is people who work at Resident Evil Wiki obviously say, oh my god, Slant 6, amazing. This game fits into the canon seamlessly, whereas everyone at Project Umbella sort of says, yeah, everyone at Slant 6 are cunts. <laughs> We're far more reasonable-minded. And I think exactly. that's probably what stops them from coming here. It might be. It might be. Just just might be. I think we should all discuss our favourite moments. Biohazard 1, if there was any one particular point that just summed it up. Before you continue, Nick, I just want to apologise for that stupid, retarded voice I did a few minutes ago. That's fine, John. I didn't yeah. notice any difference. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. George, what's your favourite Biohazard 1 moment that basically um, sums up why you love the series so much? Okay, I don't want to say that Cerberus bursting through the window because that's unoriginal. I'm sure I can be more insightful than that. Favourite moment from the first one? Uh, to be honest, I think going through the first room after finding the first key, I'm trying to think, was it the, the sword key? Um, li- li- literally just the first moment of that exploration, um, being intrigued by what was behind the door, going through that door. In fact, that was the corridor where the Cerberus is, so I've kind of come round to that now. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, a moment which I enjoyed, actually, is it in the original where Barry refers to Jill as just luckily escaping from being a Jill sandwich? I found that very amusing indeed. I like that. Movie style. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that. Just reading the files, I think the the desperation of the you know of each author in those files, I, I loved. I think the files. I think for me, it's the fact that favorite moment was when you go into the dining hall, and I kind of loitered around there for a bit. I didn't really do anything, and a fucking zombie bursts through the door and comes at you, and you hear that really scary music as it's coming towards you, and then Barry puts it down. You know, it's like wow, that you know what's creepy. Batman, what about yours? I don't know. I don't think there's a particular moment that stands out, but just the sort of tenseness you get when you think, yeah, I've got half a handgun clip left, and I've got to navigate my way through the whole West Wing to get this last crest into place. How am I going to do it? You know? That's it, yeah, that, that sense of achievement of finally finding the crest. Yeah. And... Uh, and obviously you've got your classic files as well, like the Keeper's Diary. It's never really been beaten, has it? One other favourite moment I neglected to mention was the time when you finally find the Magnum. And it's like, whoa, you've got power in your hand there. 
The old Colt Python. Going back to the ammo thing, the great thing with that, yes, you did have a powerful gun, but there weren't too many Magnum rounds lying around that mansion. When you fired a Magnum in Resident Evil, it sounds like God cleared his throat. <laughs> one of the things I liked about this game was the fact that you were part of a team and you weren't just like one guy like you are in Doom. So it was I liked searching the mansion looking for the other stars members. And it was obviously always nice to run into Barry when you were playing as Jill. These were bits that even the remake missed out. A bit in the under tunnel where you'd meet Barry and he'd sort of say, cover you. And then Jill sort of looks a bit unsure because she thinks he's a traitor. And he's like, oh, I can go ahead if you want me to. And you have to sort of make that decision where you end up running into Enrico. And little things like that were missing from the remake, which was a shame, I thought. Uh, Newsbot, if you want to say what your favourite biohazard one moment is. The entire laboratory, I think, was my favourite. Especially the first time they're playing the game because it was unexpected to find a fucking laboratory. And the Naco zombies. Yeah. They were creepy. And the chimeras as well. For me, my two favourite kind of moments, I liked the subtlety of when you went through a door and it was a boss fight and you got that that you got only when you went through a few of them and that filled me with terror. And um, I don't remember that noise. I don't remember that noise. You get them, yeah, yeah. When you go through, I think it's yawn up in the attic, and certainly with Plant 42, if you go through the main double doors as opposed to going through um, the small bed bunk room, you get as a door loading scene opens. So, same with the Black Tiger as well. You get the doo-doo, doo-doo, or something like that, kind of like just to warn you that you're about to face some Wow, I never noticed that. I think I know what he's referring to because you get that on Deadly Silence as well. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but that was a nice stuff too, I always liked. Uh, but for me, as my name suggests, I did like the Neptune. Seeing that cinematic of something in the water, you thought, I wonder what that could be. And then you go, no, no, it is. It is a great white shark. And then you, well, I don't know what you do, because they're invincible underwater and in the water. My favourite Neptune moment came from Remake. Honestly thinking that he was about to burst through that screen as I was uselessly trying to solve that puzzle in about two minutes. Can he burst through that glass? Yeah, I was actually going to say, what happens if you fail that? Yeah, it just goes to the You Have Died screen, I think. Has anyone played the DS version? Yes, I've actually probably played the DS version more than the... PlayStation. Because there's a few new puzzles in that, isn't there? I remember in the Neptune room in the armory, it starts flooding, doesn't it? Yeah, you can play like a classic version, and you can play an, an, like almost like director's cut, a, a slightly alternate version where objects are in sort of slightly different places. Yeah. It sounds like a perfect opportunity for George to expand upon it. Not everyone owns Deadly Silence, and I certainly don't until I get at least a 3DS to buy it on, but I think it is called Remake Mode. Rebirth Mode. Rebirth Mode, that's it. Rebirth. What's it like? They use the touchscreen with Rebirth Mode to solve these little puzzles where you have to open these chests. I've not played Rebirth Mode too much. You use the stylus with the combat, almost in a similar way to Dead Aim, where it's third person and then it's switched to first person for the combat. Yeah, the crows in the... I've seen clips of the crows in the uh, painting room. They come at you and use a knife. That's it, and you slash slash across the screen with the stylus. I enjoy it, and it's obviously identical to the game, the classic version. Yeah, brilliant. You also have to give Richard Aiken mouth-to-mouth, don't you? With the uh, the speaker thing. Wow. You blow, you, you uh, blow into it. Oh, no, I've not, I've not uh, done that. The way you worded that was like, that's like some kind of sex game. Only in your eyes, John. <laughs> no, only in Capcom Japan's eyes. Putting this image of my head on Chris's goo. <laughs> no, if you play, looks like, you know, that stuff. That did ruin it for me. I was playing Revelations. I thought, this is great. This is true survival horror. And when that scene came up, just got your voice in my head going, Chris is semen. <laughs> 
my head in her imagination. Like you, just, you totally ruined it for me. What about Wait, what, scene, what scene was that? It's the start of the game where you go through all these dark little corridors. You can hear noises and survival horror is back. And then Jill puts her hand in that goo. Hope it's not Chris's semen. <laughs> You ruined it. Well, You're... if it's Jill involved, it most likely is. Or well, one of her many fanboys. What about director's cut? Because for me, owning director's cut is... I love it. But my God, it is difficult. Put it on hard mode or something. Yeah. One fight from a zombie and you go from fine down to at least yellow caution. Yeah. Or orange caution. And it's bloody difficult. That's why it's called hard mode. <laughs> yeah, but it takes the place, I thought. It, and of course, the new camera angle made it a bit more funky. And it's irritating when you solve a particular puzzle and you think, finally, I found that crest, and it turns out to be a handgun magazine. Let me guess, Nick. Let me guess. Your only experience with higher game difficulties comes from veteran mode in Call of Duty. Me? I don't play Call of Duty. Yeah, you sound like you do. No, no. When I buy a new Resi game, I'll put it on easy mode just to complete it for the storyline. And if I'm feeling up for it, I'll then go into normal mode. But then it's usually, like, oh, like... I feel lucky today. I'll do it on normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just <laughs> wish for a hard mode on Monica. I'm generally crap at the games. I'm not that good, and I don't know why. And like, okay, me. all right. So you like the movies, and you're not very good at the games. Why are you on this podcast? I don't know. I tagged along. But Resident Evil 5, I got to probably about chapter 2.3 on normal mode. I just died every time. I found it nigh impossible. And I don't know why. I can't be that bad at it. Resident Evil 5? I did that in professional. I know you did. But like the only one yeah, I could do was Resident, yeah. Resident Evil 3 on hard mode. I, I was all right at that. Oh, yeah, I love Resident Evil 3 with hard mode. And as I mentioned before, that's the only thing that's really lacking from Code Veronica is a hard mode. But uh, I think we could uh, finalise our discussion. I just want to ruin the entire game for all of you. Um, you know, uh, when someone says something or you see something in a completely different picture, you can never see that same picture ever again because someone's pointed out a fault with it and you're always drawn to that fault or something like that. Next time you play the game in the main hall, go up to the banister, the kind of balcony that connects both sides, which goes over the stairs, and the back of Resident Evil box always says will you discover the, the source of the Resident Evil or something and I used to like, before I completed the game I thought perhaps the house itself is actually alive or something like that and when you stand in that middle of that balcony and look down and the, the camera angle kind of looks down on the hall as well and you can see the two archways underneath and it looks like a face Cyril Snare not Cyril Snare, no, but you've got the two archways. He built the mansion. It's a black eye, and it's got, and it looks like a face, and an evil-looking face, and I was genuinely convinced that the final boss would be a giant... <laughs> an archway. I, look I, at think, Nick, I think you've got mental problems, <laughs> uh, because you've seen scary faces in inanimate objects. You should apply for the umbrella. Yeah, it fit right in. Wesker! Chris! You're alive. My words exactly. What should we do, Wesker? We have to complete this mission, as ordered by Umbrella. Umbrella? Since when have you been an Umbrella agent? Now you're wrong. I was formerly with Umbrella, yes. <laughs> Chris? <laughs> Stop it. I would never work for a company like Umbrella. Wesker, you're pitiful. Go to hell. Wow! The worst happened with a tyrant virus. I lost some of my STARS team members because of it. Oh! I can't believe it! It's awful! I'll destroy the STARS myself. Is that right? Anyway, it's good to see you're safe. 
one prepared to face anything. Even getting rid of you vigilante stars. Why do you have to destroy stars? I'm sorry, but I have my reasons. Really? That's Umbrella's intention, but it had nothing to do with Umbrella. What? I met Barry too a while ago. He'll be under the control of Umbrella forever. Yes, you're right. You and Barry seem to think I was following orders from Umbrella, but I must complete my mission as ordered by Umbrella. Yes, sir! We have orders to blow up this laboratory, but I think we should save this important research. So you're planning something else? I think you misunderstand me, Jill. I must complete my mission, as ordered by Umbrella. Yes, sir! Anyway, this disaster cannot be made public. That's what I was going to say. You're a brave girl. I wouldn't give up such a discovery. Yes, I agree with you. What? By the way, I'm Rebecca. Rebecca Chambers. You guys are idiots. Wesker, you are so cruel. I'm sorry. I hope she's okay. What do you guys do about sort of pre-remake Biohazard Cannon? Where... I know when Tim was around, God bless his soul, that he really tried to put a lot of effort in putting the true story behind Biohazard into the canon. I mean, well, obviously the dates for George's diary are slightly out. Is, is this what we're referring to? The fact that he also apparently stumbles upon Plant 42 in 1967, yeah. um, which I know has been fantastically argued was actually him discovering the stairway to the sun. Oh, it fits. I think it yeah. fits. Yeah. I don't know. I like that. Did you ever read the translation of Trevor's notes from the 15-minute Biohazard trial edition? The Welsh and Biotech translation? Yeah. Yes. There's some fantastic stuff in there. Yes, yes. Like a red-haired researcher spots Trevor looking in on one of him and Spencer's meetings, and it's sort of like implied that this red-haired researcher is going to help Trevor and find out, tell him where his family is. So then Spencer tells him to go to the lounge where the shotgun hangs and bring the shotgun to him. So obviously that triggers the ceiling trap, and it comes down and kills this red-haired researcher, and that's meant to explain the broken shotgun in the game. You know, that mm. stuff like well, that. Where, really... well, where's his, well, if that happened, where's his remains? There's going to be like some squash shit on the floor when you go in there. I believe it says Trevor comes down the next day and he sees some servants scrubbing something red off the floor. So I'm implying... Ah, bleach in the sink, you know. Indeed. There's a, another variation, because he actually, on these letters, because Trevor actually makes it outside the mansion, and I think he gets caught in the woods and beat up and brought back in. Can I just say, I know we're talking about Resident Evil 1, but speaking of revelations real quick, I think the Zenobia could be refurbished and used as a ship again. Because like I said before, it's a nice cruise ship. All he had to do was just go back in there, clean the place out, mop the floors, bleach the sinks. That would have been a good as new ship again, and they could have used it. It's just a shame it sank. Ah, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that ship. The interior is beautiful. You keep going on about this cruise ship. Are you like these... There's this woman, isn't there, that fell in love with the Berlin Wall. Did you read about that? And another lady who married a gatepost. Do you sort of think people that are drawn to some inanimate objects? I'm not drawn to it because it's fictional. It doesn't make any sense. If it was a real cruise, but it would be a different story. Do you guys know much about the uh, the clay virus, which was the original progenitor virus in pre-remake law? Only apart from not liking what, what we've got on the website. But uh, there's, a, there's a book, actually, the Japanese guidebook, Biohazard Director's Cut Inside of Biohazard's got some really good supplemental material in. And it's got a few uh, epilogues in it as well, which uh, sort of links into the story of what Resident Evil 1.5 would have been. 
Oh. Okay. What's that book again, John? Biohazard Director's Cut Inside of Biohazard. Is that the one? Does it have like a director's chair? Yeah. The, the book. It's sort of like a bluish, greenish. Yeah. Book. I know. Okay. And it's got some really good stuff in it. Some good okay. story points. Basically, the difference between Resident Evil Two and what Resident Evil One Point Five would have been is that people actually believed the Stars members, and there was a big investigation into Umbrella, and they would have been shut down. Wow. And this book has actually got a big report on what this investigation would have been. And it sort of tells you exactly how many lab workers died, how many hunters there were. And apparently the hunters were originally homeless people living in Raccoon Forest, apparently. But I don't know how that can fit, because... That can't fit, no. Yeah. Because they were grown from embryos, weren't they? But it's got some really interesting stuff. Well, then they're just literally human DNA, aren't they, injected into the mammalian cells, weren't they? Yeah. The embryos. Couldn't they have taken the the human DNA from these homeless people? So you're going to have hunters going around living (laughs) in cardboard boxes. (laughs) (laughs) Selling copies of The Big Issue. Yeah. But it's got some really interesting details, like the fire department and National Guard were called out to contain the fire after the mansion exploded, and that uh, about 750 acres of Raccoon Forest were burnt by the time the fire was put out. So what, this was just information? It's just information in the book. Where have they taken this from? This is from the development team who wrote the book. That's fascinating. We should get this translated. So basically, Chris and Jill, when they blew up that mansion, they caused unimaginable environmental damage to the region. (laughs) Yeah. By the sounds of it. I'm assuming, therefore, that that probably would have linked in with Biohazard Dash. Possibly, yeah. But that's fascinating, the stuff in... But I have transcribed it on Project Umbrella. Go to the forums and search for Biohazard Incident Investigation Committee, and it's all on there. Biohazard... See, what I find interesting... Oh, thanks, you, were, you, you were talking about that red-haired researcher, but he got squashed by the, the ceiling trap. You mentioned that there were servants cleaning something up. Cleaning his blood up and his remains the next day. Does it actually say, like, his blood and his remains or something? Because you said that Trevor witnessed this. Hang on one sec. I've got it here. Because that interests me a lot. Does anyone know about Biohazard Dash? Has anyone heard of it? No. Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Is, is this a mobile game? No, no, no. This was going to be a, a semi-sequel, I believe. It was basically a return to the mansion after it was blown up. I can't remember what website. It's on, it's, it is on our website, but there was one website. I think it's Last Escape. Don't quote me on that. That has quite a lot of information on it. When was, would this have been dated? When were they thinking of doing this? This would have been dated before Resident Evil 2. Wasn't it Chris and Jill returned to the ruins of the mansion? No, sorry, man, I mean, yeah. in terms of when, when was this decided? When was it conceived by as a dash? Even before 1.5, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, okay. Yeah, I think they would have explored the surrounding mansion ruins and the forests and things, and there was going to be like zombies and crawling around and stuff. And I think it, it quickly got scrapped. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it was ever intended to be a full-blown sequel or just it's almost like a side game. But it's not it's not very well known. But I said that I'm guessing that might have linked in with uh, what you were saying earlier about that. Yeah, and I think the main enemy were like plants or something. Or well, like... it would make sense, wouldn't it? Uh, sorry, John. Yeah, you were saying about this red-haired researcher that George witnessed you got those notes on hand yeah but it's on the it's on project umbrella you really should read this stuff john <laughs> but you should have fucking told me before you leave me for five minutes waiting for you to get back to me where where is it exactly this thing go on supplemental material and it's the first one down trevor's notes Ooh. it even mentions the construction of the training facility god knows how many years before they came up with the idea of resident evil zero oh that's fantastic i can't believe i missed this i need to go on that website more often 
<laughs> God, who goes to this fucking website? We don't know. It was down for a few days the last week, wasn't it? Oh, it crashed about um, so many people came and visited. Basically, and it fucked itself in the ass. And that's not happened since my Resident Evil Monopoly board went global on Kotaku. Have you seen there was another... I don't think it was yours. I've seen another Resident Evil Monopoly. Have you seen that, Nick? I'm sure someone's nicked your idea because I saw a collector that had a copy. No one's got a copy bar, me, and I've got two. And I've seen those little cards he made as well. They're all laminated. And I said, what was good about it? I, mean, I finished it back in 2009-10, and only as of last month it's been outdated. That's how long it's taken for a new Capcom Resident Evil game to come out with a new location. Nearly two, two, three years. It's always going to be dated at some point, but it took, took a long time. Oh, God. This was the, uh, the Travis notes here where he says, uh, Servants hurriedly washed the floor and the waste of the first floor early this morning. The only room in this mansion where I put nothing. I didn't have any doubt at first until I passed that room and went on to the next living room. There was no sign of the shotgun on the wall. What happened to the shotgun that was here? And he talks about how it looks like it was stepped on by an elephant, etc. And then he says here, I returned to the previous room, some kind of black stain on the floor and red hair. See, that's good good stuff. Why cut it out? So basically he was vaporized. So this black stain is on the floor of the descending ceiling, right? Yes. Right, I think we should move on to Biohazard 6. Bioorganic weapons are a global threat. Start working with the rest of the world about the Raccoon City, the Raccoon City incident. Assuming my desire to reveal... I'm going to tell them everything. I've always valued your friendship, Leon. Stay right where you are. in Tall Oaks has been infected with the virus. That runs out to about 70,000 hostiles. Yeah. This is Raccoon City all over again. You want to tell me what's in there? It's better if I show you. You can't keep running away. To face the truth, accept responsibility. HQ to Alpha Team, no change to your mission. Suppress the bioterror outbreak while proceeding to Point Ace of Space. Alpha to HQ, this is worse than we thought. We need backup. It's regenerating. All right, first things first. Going 200,000 up front. Another 200 when this is over. Or with BOWs, those are extra. What's better off as a mercenary? I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. The world needs you. No, no, not me. Just my blood. Well, the world can have it. As long as someone ponies up the dough. 
what she's done to us. How many of our men are dead because of that fish? I'm right there with you, Captain. But your personal vendetta isn't going to get us anywhere. everyone's uh, opinion when you saw that trailer for the first time wow wow it was awesome i have to say and as i think you touched on earlier george how much has been done already and the fact that it's only november yeah the yeah. the amount of reveal that we got and obviously from that how long this game has been in development yeah just fantastic returning characters question marks over Alex Wesker, uh, Sherry. Fantastic. And the three different gameplay scenarios. So someone like myself can't complain there's no survival horror. And, you know, the guys that uh, were brought up on Resident Evil 4 first and love that action, you know, they get they get their section. So, yeah, fantastic. Just interested to see how much more is going to be revealed, particularly of this chat from the third scenario, whether it is going to be Alex Wesker or not. So basically, RE6 is a veritable Swaggers board for everyone to enjoy. Resident Evil for the masses. Yes. And like I said before, I didn't finish the sentence, and this is something that may arouse controversy here, but uh, am I the only person who is hoping to see Ashley Graham in RE6? Yes. I would, I would love to see Ashley back. Why would you love to see Ashley back, John? Right, I'll tell you the reason why. A lot of people slag off Ashley. Right? But people always say, like, there's a topic on The Horror is Alive. We've all seen it, we've all looked at it, we've all thought it's stupid, right? It's like, who was your favourite Resident Evil couple? And, you know, <laughs> you know, right? No, right. And the usual fairies there, you know, you got Chris and Jill, or Claire and Steve, etc., you know. And I was the only person, I thought Leon and Ashley, and I'll tell you why, because their relationship is not a romantic relationship. It's more like a, you know, a protective father figure looking out for you know the damsel in distress and i like that you know i like just being the protector type who was looking after this vulnerable girl and you know i, I like that i think ashley she's got op- she's got potential as a character her voice annoys me the best parts of resident evil 4 i found was when she'd been captured <laughs> i'm gonna say this now i'm gonna say this to piss off the jill fanboys out there and, and you are out there there's a lot of you right but i like ashley more than Jill. I love Ashley. I'm going to say it now. I'm an Ashley fanboy. There you go. Suck on that. I had to bang my head to the table. I'd like to see it back, but then there was a bit of a discussion on the boards about whether or not that was Adam Graham. Certainly the name Graham comes up, doesn't it, on that newspaper clipping, I think. As the president's image is flashed, we definitely see that come up, that surname. Do we? I'm sure we can. I think we just see his first name. We can't fully see what it says for his second name. Well, someone's edited the article on the Project Umbrella website, I think says it's um, Adam Graham. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) No accusations there. We can't even get our own facts right. What chances the rest of the community got? It was based on the assumption that Resident Evil Evil 6 was still 10 years after... 
Well, yeah. uh, a shoe. I mean, it, could there be the possibility that certain sections for different styles of gameplay take place great, you know, with great time difference? I think they are happening simultaneously, yeah. though. Oh. We know that Leon and Chris is happening simultaneously. Yeah. But mystery oh, guy, I, yeah, maybe. he seems to have him earlier than Chris's. My favourite moment, I think, was just seeing with, I think it was Chris, running through the Hong Kong streets, and the fact that there were still survivors, some guy was filming it for TV. I thought that was a nice little touch as how it would be if something like that happened. There'd always be some cameraman trying to get all the good, good shots. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought that was a really nice touch. And, it's, you know, you kind of had a bit of that in Outbreak, but obviously with the graphical limitations and characters you could put on screen at once, you know, it wasn't quite there, especially you know, the Outbreak scenario with blowing up the streets. But I thought the way it looked in, in Biohazard 6 just looked brilliant and really how it would be should something like that ever happen in the world. Yeah, it looks like an actual bioterrorism event rather than the uh, isolated cases we've had before. Because we have sort of the gang members, haven't we? That are obviously not zombies. Chris, uh, the other BSAA members are shooting at clearly humans and not zombies. Yeah, I don't see a problem with that because in a game that's got you know have a little degree of realism. Now I'm not saying all the enemies should be human. I'm just saying where's the harm in having a brief segment where you fight you know the bioterrorists themselves. Yeah, it's logical. You know, I mean, that's what Chris's job is. He's a counter-terrorist, more or less. He's a glorified counter-terrorist. And he's got to be fighting, you know, the terrorists. Makes sense. Do we think Las Plagas is in this or not? We've got an egg thing. And the only thing we know about eggs is Plagas and... Chickens. (laughs) (laughs) There was a giant enemy, like... El Gigante. It's like an enhanced version, wasn't there? Yeah. It looked like it. But well, you've got to ask know. yourself. You've got to ask yourself what came first, the egg or the Las Plagas? <laughs> <laughs> A question which has plagued many Biohazard fans many years. I don't say Queen Plaga. You know, she came from an egg. I would say that Resident Evil 5 did quite a good job of actually combining the RE4 storyline offshoot and bringing it back into the main canon. I thought that was one of its greatest achievements. Whether or not it will continue on, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing the T-Abyss back, just brought, again, kind of brought into the main storyline as opposed to a subsidiary, whether or not. Yeah, the ending of Revelations left a few open-ended. It did. I'm interested in identifying this chap from the third scenario and obviously we've got these references he makes to his blood and you know the demand for it and um yeah i just wondered if, how you guys kind of saw the significance of the you know those few statements that he made because i think that he was sort of the most interesting possibly not being a returning character i assume he has like antibodies or something yeah like sherry had interesting you mentioned sherry because you know people have been speculating since re4 at sherry yeah <laughs> Every blonde since Ari Ari Four has been speculated as Sherry. Even that Allison person. In They're not going to bring it back up again because it's an old plot line now. You know, it's going to be like, hey, it's Sherry Birkin. Everyone's going to be like, who the fuck is that? Yeah, it's been over ten years now. And really, what potential benefit have we got from her storyline? I mean, in terms of she's got G virus antibodies. Well, this is what I was going to say. Was we've had T and G virus. We've had. You know, Ari Five developed it further with every virus and the Ouroboros. What could she possibly bring? to the world of viral weaponry that's going to be particularly unique. I, I don't really know. Perhaps it's just a way, you know, to obviously to connect all the games. Yeah, well, yeah. Common link. But I, I would, I certainly would much prefer to see her than Ashley returning. Sorry, John. Just going back, because John mentioned the connect Leon and Ashley. Was anyone else sort of disappointed that Leon turned her down at the end? I just thought that was just so wussy. I thought it was very sad, but it was necessary because it was a... 
is it non-platonic? Is that the right word? Or platonic? They've had a platonic relationship. I think that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's what uh, Leon said. Um, I mean, it would just be awkward if he dated her because she's the president's daughter. You know, that, that's just how it is, you know. And he's I, her I, bodyguard. I, I, I want Whitney Houston to come up now and start singing. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not imagining myself as Ashley. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Being carried away in Leon's manly arms. I just had a picture of you, John, yeah, wearing that green checkered skirt. Yeah, be carried away by Leon with his big manly arms. Oh, if only you were Kevin Costner. We need to see Ada in this game. We need to see who she works for. Yeah. She still does part of the organisation. As of 44, yeah. Wait, did you say uh, Nikolai? Nikolai needs to come back. He might. I I wouldn't have thought so. I would have thought they brought Hunt back more than Nikolai. I think the reason why Nikolai is in Operation Raccoon City is to say, oh yeah, something new's happening with him in that game. No, it's to... Put him in a game that's more recent, that people know about, right? So that when they do reintroduce me to the series, people will go, oh yeah, it's that guy from that new, you know, recent game I played. As opposed to Biohazard 3, which took place, you know, years ago now. Possible, but I, I, I think they've got more chance with Hunk. I mean, the fact, he's only really been in RE2, but then he's obviously, he's been in a lot of spin-off as, as a yeah, player character. Yeah, he's, he's a fucking mini-game character. He's for mini-games. He is. I just think there's more chance of him becoming mainstream and people will know who he is. Oh yeah, I played him on in Mercenaries, I played him in Umbrella Chronicles. You know, if, if you want to have Hunk as a main character, that's like having a fucking coconut shy as the main event at a festival or, or a carnival. It's like, hey, come see this carnival that we've got the biggest coconut shy in the world. He's a fucking minigame character. Yeah, I don't think he was designed for a story, really. He's just there to look cool and just say, you know, got the G-virus, break neck. That's all he does. I completely agree, but I just think Capcom are more likely to bring him back more than they're going to bring back Nikolai. Well, Nikolai's got a face. You know what he looks like. The thing about Nikolai is that the game he appears in is open-ended. The uh, ending isn't really set. You can either kill him and let him live. We do see Hunk's face at the end of a scenario from Resident Evil. What's the one? We see it it in the epilogue in RE3, and... He can be unlocked in Outbreak as a playable character through codes. I can't remember either Umbrella Chronicles or Dark Side Chronicles. He's in Umbrella you Chronicles. Yeah, Umbrella Chronicles. You see the reflection of his face on yeah, his voice. Yeah, in the G virus sample. Yeah. Yeah. But he looks so mundane and so uninteresting. He's just some bloke with brown hair. That's all he is. They should have just left him after the epilogue. They should have given him an eye patch. <laughs> That'd be more interesting. You go, whoa, who's that guy? Going back to Biohazard 6, do we think this kind of blood <laughs> antidote guy is Alex West? I think it would be interesting time. if it turned out it was and he wasn't actually bad. From what, what we know from Lost in Nightmares is that he left this secret island with an army of kind of followers and whatnot and potentially developed an immortality virus. The storyline potentially quite high. I'm just surprised they didn't use him in Revelations. Maybe he is the bad guy in RE6. Who do we think the bad guys are? Because we haven't got any bad guys. That's the thing that's concerning me about the series. Tricel. Yeah, but Tricel was sort of set up to be the new main bad guys, but there's no evidence that they're going to be ever seen or heard from again. I mean, I was thinking with all that reveal, there must still be, and Capcom would want to hold back significant content that we haven't seen yet, so I would imagine that's what we're going to find out about next. Yeah, but how many well, how many games have we had where we've just had, like, you know, a one-off villain? We've had Javier Hidalgo, Frederick Downing, Veltro, you know, Exelid Gione. 
I mean, I was just imagining various groups around the world because as I think it, the main thing now is that bioterrorism is a worldwide threat. I think that's what they play on. Uh, and we have these gang members. I'm presuming we're going to have various, uh, not just one particular organisation, but sort of various organisations all around the world that are kind of bidding and trying to obtain these biological weapons. Well, the only bad guy still alive of the classic games is Nikolai, technically, isn't he? He's the only one left, isn't it? He could be, but I free is open-ended, so... I mean, Nikolai isn't, you know, big bad material. You know, he's not super-villain material. The UT uh, commander from Survivor. Did he survive? He can, he can survive or he can die. But I think the canon and ending in Survivor is uh, Vincent getting impaled by the Hypnos. No, surely, surely it's Vincent that dies through Hypnos. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, they both die. No, just Vincent. Just Vincent, yeah, so the UT commander could still be alive. Yeah, he sets off the uh, self-destruct system. And he's a human, right? He's just a human, this guy. He's human. I remember your mission. (laughs) (laughs) I do think that some of the characters who survive Revelations will turn up in 6 as well. We've got Raymond and Jessica. I personally think that Jessica is the woman at the beginning of the Maharwa Desire manga. The moment with Karen the um, Bella case. Yeah. Well, I, I would. She works I'd, for somebody anyway, so. Try so. I'd like to think mm. she works with Ada. Yeah, then that's strictly bad. I think she uh, could be working for Tricell, personally. If you, we can only speculate. <laughs> if you've watched the uh, Biohazard Report DVD, she is actually making a report to. Obviously, it's a Japanese, so we don't know who it is, but it could well be Ada. You never know. Christine Henry. I was gonna about to say she's she's still alive, or unless she died on the Spencer Rain. Nobody outside Project Umbrella knows who Christine Henry is, though. <laughs> yeah, just well, well, she was. She the, died uh, in the drama album, anyway. She what? She got shot in the uh, drama album. But that's not canon. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, you know, okay. still a possibility. Well, isn't she part of Umbrella Europe? Yeah, she's from the uh, French branch. Well, maybe, maybe she died on the Spencer Rain, like Nick said. It would be an interesting tie-in. Going back to Warrior 6, though, I still think that, I mean, they've introduced Triso and they've built them up to be the next Umbrella. It'll be a shame not to use them again in RE6. I think it's going to be Triso. They're going to be involved at some point. Because we've because... in RE5, of course, it was only the African division, so they're still... I mean, at the end of RE5, they're still scot-free, aren't they, more or less? Yeah. There's no evidence incriminating them to what they did in Africa, because they could just say, you know, if they went to, I don't know, the CEO of Triso and say, look, all this bad shit went down in Africa, it's got all your logos on it and shit, he could just turn around and go, that's just done by Wesker. You know, that was a, a rogue operative that had no authorization from us. Yeah. You know, we weren't involved in that. It was just, well, Excel- yeah, Excel acting alone. That's what I would do. I would just say it's Excel acting alone. So they're scot-free, so they're free to come back in RE6. And I hope they do come back, because it's a shame to just introduce them and then piss them away in the same game. And they got backing in Degeneration as well. I know that obviously linked in with RE5, but they've been in two media. And, and of course, um, the uh, Global Pharmaceutical Consortium as well. Exactly. And we and, know and they're tri- still going. And Triso are, you know, they're a major part of the GPC. BSAA's biggest sponsor, I think. Yeah, and when we know from Revelations that they haven't forgotten them. And um, Revelations made them out to be a bit more sinister than Resident Evil 5 did as yeah. well. No, because they could be researching it to look for a vaccine. That's why they're researching it, I guess. Ah, well, but if you look at the trailer, of course, I think don't Leon and Chris like, inject themselves as stuff as a vaccine, or have I missed something completely there? No, we see the Alex Wesker question mark chap inject himself. He's injecting, alright, oh, okay, he's injecting himself with something. PG67AW. Like <laughs> yeah, let's try and curb the result of whatever he's got. I think maybe he's suffering from the same problem as uh, Albert Wesker, so. It has, to, it has to be him, isn't it? It really does. I it would be sense. really disappointed if they chose someone else. 
They need to stop introducing new people and new organizations. It just seems like a very... I mean, that file from Lost in Nightmares, the information that that received, I think that was the main discussion point from that game. And it just seems such a significant plot point to then just completely not progress. Exactly, they could have not introduced the Wesker children at all. And RE5 still would have made sense. And that's... Wesker children, they were literally, the individuals, I think, was it 13? Completely yeah. unrelated, weren't they, from each other? So, aside from obviously all being given the same common surname, did we find out what happened to any of the others? Is it just Alex and Albert that we know of? Yeah, all the rest Everyone. died. But Alex is one of those names that could be feminine or masculine. It's masculine. So, is it masculine? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay then. That's what I said about Tricell. Built them up to be this big major thing. I would love to see them again. Well, you've got to remember that they started in RE4 as well, you know, of course, with S, which turned out to be Seashell, which Seashell, of course, then became Tricell. So they had a bit of a build up, and it would be a so bit of a shame. So we confirmed S to be Tricell, a placeholder? It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. OK, I'll go with that. Well, it's explained in the script for Degeneration, isn't it? Because the company was originally called Seashell. Yeah. I think they probably made a bit of a tip with that. They probably realised that they didn't want to call the new pharmaceutical company just S. It was even on the uh, Kijuju viral website, wasn't it? Seashell is evil. Yeah. I think it is. It's, it's definitely S. The other thing I've got written down on my notes here, prequel or sequel? Discuss. It's got to be a sequel. It's set in 2013. Has that been confirmed? Yeah. I don't think anybody knows really. The director it was, is it was on the Xbox it. Live. Yeah, but that's Xbox, not Capcom. No, well, I have to say, I saw that online, the reference to the date being given on Xbox, but when I went onto Xbox Live, that information is just not given, so I don't know how accurate that actually is. I know there was, it's in Japanese too, so we have two sources for 2013. I wouldn't want it to be a... Or shall we, shall we say 2013 as sort of like a, you know, a tentative title, tentative date for it? There's yeah, no, I guess. There's no way I can see it's... it being a prequel to Resident Evil 5. It's a worldwide outbreak. Unless you think Capcom just forgot what date they said Resident Evil 5 in. Like a few people have, apparently. Apparently, some people think it's 2008. My biggest quipe at the moment with the new Resident Evil games is that they can't be bothered with dates. You've got, you know, you'll have maybe times or stuff and roughly years. But I think as of pretty much dead aim was, was the last one, I think, that had very specific dates as to when things happened. After that, we've had nothing. I think you have to work it out, like March 2009 for Resident 5 and then... You know, you, you have to give vague dates, and I, I don't like that part. Wesker actually died on my 22nd birthday, March the 7th, 2009. <laughs> he died when I turned 22, which was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, that. You know, I was sitting there eating my birthday cake, and I was like, ah, somewhere in Africa right now, Wesker's been <laughs> hit in the face with two rockets. <laughs> but he survives, they say, he survives. Bullshit. I think his death scene was overdone for a reason. They just didn't want to leave any lingering. We don't, we don't want to leave anything out here. <laughs> I know, but it still hasn't convinced everyone, has it? Even though he got his head blown yeah, by a rocket. Nothing, nothing convinces anyone. The rocket goes through his fucking head, doesn't yeah. it? Yep. I the think there's a slight explodes. graphical glitch though at the time because I, I have watched it a few times and it kind of goes halfway through it, but obviously his head doesn't explode. It's still quite intact whilst the rocket kind of goes through it. I think people have overanalyzed it. Too I much. think what Capcom are doing. I think Capcom were making a little nod to Bionic Commando, where in the original Bionic Commando, you kill Hitler, basically. And how you kill him is, he's in a helicopter, and you have to pilot, this is in Rearmed, actually, the remake, you had to pilot remote-controlled rockets towards the cockpit window, 
where Hitler was to, you know, smash the glass in the window and the second rocket, you know, actually hits his head and his head blows up. Literally, in like really graphic, gory detail, his head explodes and you see blood and gore and eyeballs. So I think Capcom were making, you know, a little tiny nod to Hitler's death in Bionic Commando with Wesker, you know, his head blowing up with a rocket. <laughs> That's what I hope for, anyway. Has anyone got any other points on Biohazard 6 they want to raise? I think generally you can all say it was a lovely surprise. I thought that the viral marketing would have gone on for a bit longer. Yeah, that was very brief, wasn't it? It was very abrupt. Very brief. By the time it came out, it was something gone on. I was slightly, I mean, maybe it's the way with these things, but um, that viral video, it was quite distressing. And I really did think that that was kind of alluding to a very sinister survival horror experience so i was quite surprised again you know no link at all between the well two. that well that's the thing you see cyril sneer doesn't fuck around <laughs> he's like right that's the plan we're doing it live boom we'll do it now we don't give him time to react we'll do it and that's how cyril sneer rolls and that's what's going to happen in biohazard 6 okay i think that will conclude our discussion and now it's time for this five questions three participants and one topic it's Neptune and Newsy's Biohazard Quiz! And welcome to the second Neptune and Newsies quiz. A recap of the scores. George Trevor currently on two points. Oh, hold on a second. I didn't think that we were continuing on from last week. I didn't want to be reminded of that. It's an ongoing thing, George. We're building up to December's podcast. Okay, okay. Can... Let, let me just open up Google in another browser. One sec. That's cheesy. He's lucky for answers, that prick. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say... Right, I was doing some research on the smoking ban in America. In oh, 19- yes. Fully enough, the best I could manage was in 1993, I believe. Uh, the state of Illinois had a public smoking ban in fire stations, hospitals, and police departments. Well, now we know where Rackin City is. It's in Illinois. I don't know. News bot, should we give Mr. Spencer half a point? I mean, what's, the, what's the point of a fucking sign? It's like, oh yeah, I probably should stop. <laughs> because if you think about it, right, if it's 1998 in America, and you know perfectly fine to smoke in a police station, right, you're allowed to smoke in here, it's fine. And then you see a sign that says no smoking, it's like, well, that's a bit weird. Why is that there? Because I know I can smoke in here. Quite suspicious. Right, you've made your point well. Hang on, what's all this about Welsh saying that Sergio Jones didn't voice Wesker as well? Well, I quizzed him on that and he hasn't responded, so... Right, I'll cut you a deal, right? I'll drop the smoking thing if you'll drop the Wesker voice actor one, because a point's worth more to me than half. Right, good. Fine. George Trevor, you're currently on two points. Mr. Spencer, three points. Batman on four, so currently in the lead. Quick reminder of the rules. Five questions. I'm afraid they're a bit easier this week. Um, We'll start with question number one. What time does the nemesis shoot the helicopter that rescues Jill? Well, attempts to rescue Jill. Oh. I've got to wait. Wait, wait, It's... Hang on. Uh, Right, I have an answer now. Sorry about that. Question number two. What is the name of the company that makes the TG-01 metal product in Code Veronica? I can hear typing. I just. I can hear typing as well. I, I, Who's doing I'm that? Typing, I'm, type, I'm typing my answers into Notepad. Why? 
Because I've got a fucking paper ready. There are two acceptable answers to this one. I did check with your translation, Newsbot. What are you writing your answers down on? I'm not. Pen? <laughs> <laughs> Question number three. What is the unlockable mode in Survivor 2, which isn't versus Roach mode? Ah. Oh. I was inspired by the fact that you mentioned it in the last podcast, John, that you had Survivor 2. So what's the name of the other unlockable mode that isn't versus Roach mode? Oh, That's- you bastard. My love for Resident Evil means I know nothing about Survivor 2. <laughs> Give me time to think this one. Oh. No, I'm going to have to move on, I'm afraid. Question number four. Name one of the main characters in the Confidential Report series. First and second name, please. Oh, fuck. You know I love them. Fuck. <laughs> Should have read my bloody editorial. It's a shit game. I know they are. <laughs> Then again, I like Survivor too, so I got their own store. Newsbot, did you want to say question number five? Okay, what does tofu stand for? <laughs> I can't believe these questions. Fucking hell, man. <laughs> this is like University Challenge on, on acid. <laughs> Fuck me. Brilliant. Tofu. That's all five questions. Join us after this when we'll go through the answers. Welcome back to the quiz, and we'll now run through the answers to see what everyone's got. Question number one was, what time does the nemesis shoot down the helicopter that attempts to rescue Jill? George Trevor, what did you put there? 11 o'clock p.m. 11 p.m. Mr. Spencer, what did you put? 20 past midnight. 20 past midnight. And Batman? Uh, I put midnight. Batman, you are correct. It is midnight. Oh. I was going to put midnight. What if, wait, what if it's dude? If you remember, you know, she does all the clock tower puzzle. It goes boom. And then there's that funny shot of looking up Jill and you can see her under boob. And then as the helicopter flies over. So well done, Batman. Question number two. What is the name of the company that makes the TGO1 metal product? There are two answers available. Mr. Spencer, what did you put? Uh, Metal Industries Company. Batman? Yeah, I put Metal Industries Company as well. George? Well, I put Metal Industries. I didn't put company. I just wrote Metal Industries. Paul, what are the acceptable answers? Metal Industries Corporation, I think, was the other one. Yeah, I think points for all there, because I've got Metal Industries. Yeah, yeah. Well done. Question number three was, other than versus Roach mode, what is the unlockable mode in Survivor 2? Batman? Uh, dungeon mode? Dungeon mode. George Trevor? I'm guessing because I have no idea. Battle mode. And Mr. Spencer, what did you put? Infinite mode. It's points to Batman again. It is dungeon mode, where it has a, a curious little clock tower level, if I remember correctly. And it's the only time where you fight the gulp worm in dungeon mode. You don't actually fight it in the main, uh, in the main story mode. Question number four. Name... 
one of the main characters in the Confidential Report series. George Trump. It was one of the first things I read when I joined the PU. Tyler Hamilton. I'm going for Tyler Hamilton. Okay, uh, Mr. Spencer. Uh, I've just got Tyler, I'm afraid. So all I remember is Tyler. Batman, have you got both? I bet you've got both. No, I've, thanks to you, I've got Tyler Hamilton. Correct. I think I'll give you all points for that. Well, well, no, I didn't. I was quite strict at the beginning. I said <laughs> I need first and last names. I can't, John. I can't give you that point. Half a point. Half a point. No, no, I, I did say be strict. So points for Batman. Points for George Trevor. Well done. Question number five was what does tofu stand for, John, Mr. Spence? Uh, tasty original friendly unit. <laughs> George? Tofu originated in ancient China. Chinese legend ascribes its invention to Prince of <laughs> Tofu and his production technique were introduced to Korea and then Japan during the Nara period. Shall I read on? No, That's not really an acronym, <laughs> is it? <laughs> That's more like you've gone to Wikipedia or something. I don't know the answer. And it's got nothing to do with Resident Evil. Well, it has. Yeah, I know. Uh, Batman, did you get this one? Tyrant size Uber fabricated soybean. <laughs> Newsbot, did you want to tell them the answer? It's tyrantized. Fuck, even I've forgotten it. <laughs> God. Tyrantized object fabricated by yes, yes. soybeans. Uber soybeans. Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck. That's what I Uber said. Uber soybeans, yeah. Is that... <laughs> That's what I said. I didn't yeah, have... it is. You got it right. Don't worry. Excellent. <laughs> and I think it was suggested that tofu is canon. In the land of birch, it is. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the inside of the Dark Side Chronicles, they have an entire backstory for it, including the uh, tofu virus. Oh, yeah. Ooh. That includes the quiz for this week. It's a clean sweep for Batman, scoring an impressive five out of five. Mr. Spencer, it's a poor week, only scoring one. George Trevor with two, which means that the scores after episode one of the Project Umbrella podcast is as follows. In joint second, or last, depending on your point of view. Joint second. Joint second. Last. George and <laughs> Spencer are both on four points, whereas the Batman's taking a storming lead and is in nine points. So congratulations, but still plenty of time. I'm after you, Nicholson. I'm just concerned. <laughs> I like to think I know a fair bit about Resident Evil, yet I'm sharing my position with a chap who openly admitted on the first podcast he knows nothing about Resident Evil. <laughs> Thank you for joining, and we'll see you next time. Those were hard questions. Uh, Newsbot is usually quite good at It was the only thing I could think of at the time. That's only See, because the article why... happened to be in the random article section on PU. Because the only way you can access the article is because the search feature doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it does. You have to just random the page. You have to click random or, re- or refresh. No, you have to just click twice on the search button. It's it's a glitch, but it works. I'll be what fucking you... shocked if no one has been able to search for anything on Project Umbrella since 2009. <laughs> yeah, about that. You know how I navigate through the fucking wiki section? I click on links and try and find a cat. Let's say I'm looking for Albert Wesker, right? I'll click on Umbrella's article and then try and find his name on, in the article and go, oh, there he is, right, there's the article. I'll click on that and that'll take me to Wesker's article. I never used Well, this. now you know. And now you've realised that you just wasted valuable time of your life. Well, <laughs> well, says the man who knows the acronym for tofu. Ain't yeah. that my fucking fault? Yeah. I didn't write it. You dirty bastard. You. That's dedication. Dedication, my arse. <laughs> Obsession.
Yeah. He's a machine. He's not human. He's like punching iron. So, I mean, I think that generally concludes the podcast. There's a lot to discuss. And the problem is that last time we said what we're going to be discussing this month, and of course it all gets changed depending on what's happening. I think the plan next month is certainly to look through Revelations, by which time everyone should have played it, digested the information, and be quite aware of the storyline implications, etc. So I think the main discussion will be Revelations. Does that mean I could talk about the Queen Zenobia again? You can talk to your heart's content about the Queen Zenobia. I just got this image in my head of like the sea from Titanic, where they're all that, they're at the front of the bow. The sea. Why is the sea from Titanic? Me, it's me. It's it's me and Ashley at the front bow of the Zenobia. <laughs> and she's got her arms wide. <laughs> or it's me and Leon, depending on your perspective. <laughs> Batman, has the uh, hotline been ringing with people sending in their own questions and stuff? I assume not. Uh, yeah, we've been snowed under with none. <laughs> <laughs> I've got, I got at least one PM about a train or calling in, so oh, it's before, something. Before we end, I was speaking to a good friend of mine. He wants a shout-out, uh, and this is a shout-out to uh, Smiley from The Horror is Alive. Shout-outs to other user members. Well, that's what he asked for, and you know, I figured why not? Because Smiley and Paul get along so well. Famous. Oh, and Smiley are really good friends, and they agree on everything. <laughs> so, what, what do you think about that, Mr. Birch? I've got no problem with anyone. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, if anyone needs me, I'll be booking my next trip on the Zenobia, and that'll hopefully calm him down from all the. Uh, Operation Raccoon City-induced heart failure. That's settled. The next podcast in March will be Revelations and your rants at Operation Raccoon City. Get your PMs into any of us, and we'll play them so you can be famous on the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. The ooze on Revelations. You think they could somehow, if they were there long enough, they could learn to sort of, like, crew the ship. <laughs> Staff. Like, you, could, you know, they, they evolve. Like, once you'll start putting on their own... You'll start getting memories of their previous lives as, as shipmen, you know, shipmates. You know, one starts putting on a jacket and a hat. You know, and they all start, you know, and then you set up a popular cruise line that's staffed by them. And, you know, you know the customer service is, uh, is, is stellar. It's phenomenal, really. <laughs> um, uh, so you want to go for a Mediterranean cruise? Yeah, I reckon they'd do that. You know, just a thought. Just a thought. Good night, John. (laughs) (laughs) And on on that note, it's goodbye from me, Neptune. Goodbye from me, George Trevor. Goodbye from me, the Batman. Goodbye from me, Newsbot. Goodbye from me as well, Mr. Spencer.